0: Hi everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 303. We talk about deal lists and list limits. We talk about the importance of workflow descriptions. We talk about Alex and Moses book launch. And is this the end of email tracking that we're going to see very shortly? You're listening to HubShots, the number one podcast for growing businesses that are using HubSpot and it's real practical advice on using HubSpot. My name is Ian Jacob and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig?
1: Really well. Happy Friday. Looking forward to a relaxing weekend ahead, but plenty to cover in the show today.
0: Now, let's start with our growth thought of the week, Craig. Nobody cares about the customer anymore. And why do we say this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let me explain why. I'm, what I mean by this. Have you noticed that companies don't really seem to care about the customers? I mean, oh, there's, I mean, there's exceptions, but... A few years ago, it was all about the customer, sold for the customer. These days, it's just sold for the quota, sell, sell, sell. So here's how you can test if this is happening for you. Next time you get a sales call, start explaining your situation. I.e., that should be what sales reps love, love to understand. Start talking, but then just see how quickly they turn that around into why you should buy their product. Doesn't matter what your situation, oh, they'll turn it around. So not many will actually ask for further details. So I've been playing this game with uh, HubSpot reps when they call me asking about one of our customers because we're a HubSpot partner. They ask, I actually start talking about the customer's needs. And the reason I do it is because I want to see how quickly the sales rep will try and move me along. Will it meet their needs? Is there an opportunity? Otherwise, they move me along. And they'll actually get off the call quickly, right? (laughs) I'm like, okay, so I actually deliberately kind of try and talk about the customer. And in, I think the past month or so, there's really only been two reps, Mike and Paul, you know who you are, both in Perth, by the way, I don't know if that's relevant, but I'll actually talk about the customer and I'll say, right, tell me more, let's explain it. Oh, okay. So look, this probably wouldn't be a fit. They actually want to know whether it's a fit for the customer. And I'm like, this is rare. This should be the norm. You remember years ago, Ian, it was like, this was the norm. Remember the days of Mads? We chat, right. we chat with Mads. Do I Miss Mads? And be like, oh, look, I don't think HubSpot's a fit for this business. Let's not waste their time. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Sold for the customer. It's not like that anymore. It's just sold for the quota. And really, that's because everyone needs to make sales. The 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 free money era is over. And unfortunately, the true colors of most sales cultures are shining through. It's not just HubSpot. I guess I'm picking on them because this is a podcast about HubSpot. Love the product. Kind of concerned about their sales culture, and I think it's just a, an indicator of the, the economic times we're in. We've got this great little uh, screen grab I, I got from Threads, one of the people I follow. So, where he's talking about, remember Netflix back in 2017, they were like, "Love is sharing a password." Remember Netflix was, well, so yeah, share your password. Now they now they charge for that. And the comment is simply, "Turns out love was a zero interest rate phenomenon." I think that's great. Sums it up beautifully. That's what a lot of companies, including HubSpot are doing. So here's the takeaway, and then I'll get your thoughts on this, Ian, but it's because I think if you play the long game and you still focus on the customer, that will get you through and it'll serve you well when inflation turns and reduces again and we come back to those, uh, I guess, easier economic times. But for those that are just sell, 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 I think it's a short-term response that isn't going to pan out well. What, what's your thoughts, Ian? Am I overreacting to this? What? Yeah. What's your take?
0: You're probably more aware of it, Craig, and I didn't think think about it until you raised it with me, and then I started thinking back about some of the experiences I've been having with different people, and you're quite right, and you probably know that even I've gone through this whole process of installing solar at our home and just the different people I've dealt with, and the things I've gone through, it's very apparent who is customer first and who is just selling product. And the way they operate. And it was very clear to me being on the other side of that. So it's been really interesting. And because you obviously are in solar as well, it was really interesting having those conversations and insights from somebody on the other side of the fence and just seeing the whole process, like the customer journey of how people travel through from their start from not knowing anything to researching and then getting out the other end. And then even the support post installation. So that's been really interesting. And you know what? I think with your guidance and talking to different people, I've actually come out the, like you actually said, oh, you've had a pretty good experience. But I think I took a while to make a choice. And that was because of the process I'd gone through and the amount of investment that went in. So I wanted to make sure I was making the right choice. And I think as business owners or people that work in businesses, we need to understand this. Like what is it from the other person's perspective if I put them into in. If I step into their shoes, what is that experience like? And I think that's what people are often forgetting. They're thinking, I've got to meet this number. I've got to meet this target. And that's what they're going after. So, listeners, like we said, put yourself in those people's shoes and understand what they're going through because it might take a bit longer, but I think you'll get a far better outcome.
1: I, I agree. And just one final comment in case it sounds like I'm against people selling stuff, I'm not. I sell. We all sell. We need to sell got to run our businesses look we've got to survive so i'm not against that but it's the way they sell Correct. that's that's what i'm highlighting and right. this idea that oh, it's a fit for everything and how can we squeeze them into making a purchase yeah that that's the cultural it's it's and what's funny is that the hubspot product is so good it's so good i mean we've we talk about this every week on our on the show it's so good and we love it but it's the culture that's eroding that that concerns me. But speaking of nice people that actually care, let's chat about Moby and the team from Red Pandas and the, the event.
0: That's right. So as some of you might have seen or be aware they ask you answer. Summit is coming to Asia Pacific, especially here in Sydney at Sydney Olympic Park and they're holding a one day event on Tuesday the 31st of October and I would encourage people to get their tickets. There's actually a code in our show notes, Craig, that uh you get 50% off. So the earlier you get it, the better it is. Uh Craig and myself have bought our tickets. We'll be there. And so if you just use the code HubShots, I think it is, isn't it, Craig? It is HubShots.
1: Use code HubShots. If you use that code,
0: um you'll get 50% off. And you know what? We'd love to see people there. Like we often bump into listeners everywhere we go. So, it's another great place. And you know what? I often think people will say, oh, why would you want to attend that? But you know what? We all, we're all friends and we all learn from each other. We're all having different experiences. So, I encourage you not to look at it as a, something you can't attend, but something where you can learn and grow your network and build new relationships. Certainly one to put on the list if you're in
1: Australia. It's in Sydney. I know some of our overseas listeners probably won't apply, but uh, for Australian listeners, yeah, worth getting along to. And maybe Tasha, uh, Linda, and the whole team there at Red Pen. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. I know Marcus Sheridan is kind of the keynote. That's what's being advertised. Come and see Marcus Sheridan. And, yeah, look, he'll be good. But I actually like them as well. I actually quite like Moby as a speaker. I'm looking forward to seeing Tasha and Linda as well. So, get there. In-person events are coming back in a big way, so there'll be many to choose from. This is one you should definitely lock in.
0: All right. On to our quick shots of the week, Craig. Now, let's talk about what we've noticed. And some of these are in public beta, so A-B testing of sequence steps. So, we've started doing that with a couple of customers, which has been really interesting more to come on that. Uh, You've got ad tracking for LinkedIn carousel ads. So this used to annoy me because you couldn't do this. And now it's finally available inside HubSpot. The other one that I like, and we've started using, which all is in beta, public beta, the is the logging emails in CRM retrospectively. So I think that's a fantastic feature. Instead of having to forward emails to a particular address, making it easy for the customer again. And the final one is ChatSpot is now actually getting more and more linked into HubSpot. It's uh, on the contact, the deal, the company record under the actions menu. You can also access it uh, from the me- the menu on the side. And it's always improving. It's like I think there's a, I always get the emails, I watch what's going on. So I would encourage listeners to actually get used to opening it, playing with it, understanding what's possible and seeing its evolution because it will get better over time. And it is actually saving people a lot of time in terms of like, for example, company research, subscribing to company news. And the, other, the one I told you yesterday, Craig, was um, creating a blog post and then clicking one button to create the blog post inside your portal and opening it up and it's already pre-filled everything. So that's another thing that you might want to try out and see as a great first step to start. By the way, so
1: many updates coming from HubSpot in the last couple of weeks. I guess this is all a lead up to inbound and the product announcements there, but tons. So just a reminder how to get those product updates. It's from your top right menu. You can get product updates and then make sure you also access the early beaters. I think you need to be super admin to enable some of those, but uh, definitely worth doing. We just enable them all in our own portal. I'm surprised at the quality. I, I haven't had any issues, so... Not suggesting that for most companies, but certainly our experience has been encouraging.
0: Yeah. And I guess the other thing is beta doesn't necessarily, if you're a super admin, it doesn't need to be for everybody. If you want to enable it for yourself, you can, and then you can test it out before you enable it for everybody else. So that's a really good good feature that they have inside HubSpot. All right. Tell us about the HubSpot marketing feature week, which is Deal list, which we've been talking about for years, finally here.
1: That's right. We've wanted this for a while, uh, deal list. In fact, we want lists for all objects. So hopefully this is the start of them rolling it out for all objects. For example, tickets. I want ticket lists, quote lists, custom object lists, any object I want to be able to create a list on. Why? Because lists are more powerful than views. So deal lists. Why have we got this in marketing feature of the week and not sales feature of the week? Well, it's probably mainly going to be used by marketing because you'll create lists. The advantage they have over views is that you can add a lot more criteria. For example, cross-joining against objects. We've got an example in the show notes a little in a second. You can also then use those lists to trigger workflows. You can use them in branches in workflows. You can use them in reports. You can actually use them as lists in views. Uh, You can control permissions on lists. So there's a number of things here that are advantageous from using lists over views. So this is fantastic. It's the same uh, approach for creating lists. You go and create a list. There's a deal-based list. Here's an example, very simple one, of creating a list that has any deals where an associated line item... Contains the word warranty. This is actually a real example that a client needed. Can you show me all the deals where one of the list items was warranty? Because we know they need to renew that each year. And so then we want to send internal reminders and things like that. So, very simple use case there. You can use that to trigger workflows. You might uh, create tasks, who knows what. So, use that. You might even just use that list membership in a view. So, you give views to your sales reps because you don't want You probably don't want your sales reps editing lists, to be fair, especially when lists are triggering workflows. So you don't want to give everyone list editing permission, but you want to create these lists for them, then they can use them in views and slice and dice as needed. Permissions, of course, are under marketing. And again, that's why this is a marketing feature. Lists are a marketing feature. So I love this. I think it's going to get used a lot. We love lists, of course, because as you've always said, Ian, they're the building blocks that we build most of the other things in HubSpot portals on.
0: All right. So now moving on to the sales feature it's carrying on from the creating contact list based on deal criteria. And this is, this is the example we wanted to highlight to you guys. So take it away, Craig. Yeah. So we've just talked about deal lists
1: in shot three for marketing. Now we're talking about contact lists based on deal criteria. So I wanted to give you an example of how you could do the same kind of query, but giving a list of contacts. Again, this is why it's now in sales feature, because sales often want to know, oh, who's all the contacts that uh, have a warranty that's renewing? Oh, we'll create a contact list for that. And then we can put that into a list uh, membership filter on a view. So two examples there are deal lists and then a similar one creating contacts from similar criteria.
0: And I wanted to highlight to people, they're probably thinking, why does this matter, right? We first talked about a deal list, and then we talked about a contact list with specific deal items, right? The output of the deal list will be deals. And here we're trying to find the people associated to the deals that have that particular item or warranty in this example. So that's where we're trying to find the people we need to contact or email in relation to it. And that's why it's important, All right, onto our workflow feature of the week, Craig. Uh, And this is a new, but I think it's probably probably underutilized and you probably annoyingly see it pop up when you're creating a workflow and you change the name. But we discovered this on a coaching call when we were trying to track back and see what was going on. And we have the description visible on the workflow list page in in the workflow view. And it was really useful for us. And this is when we came up with, hey, we should put any major changes in the description with the date, because we can hover over that description field and very quickly see what the changes have been. So it's one of those things where it saves you from going into the workflow, trying to figure out what's going on. If you just use the description field and you hover over it, you will see the entire description. So... A little time saving, but also a little feature when we're looking at what you're trying to do and what the outcome is and just saving you the time in trying to figure out, oh, who did that or when did this happen and why are we doing it? So I encourage people to use it if you haven't, if you haven't go back and actually filled them out, because I think you'll find great value in it and you'll mm-hmm. save people a lot of time.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Now, the the description field on workflows is not new, but what is kind of new is the view list of workflows. And now you can just Correct. add it as a column, which is super
0: And Actually, talking about that, Craig, the, the other thing that I've been doing and enjoying is creating views of workflows hmm. because, for example, we've got uh, people with multiple brands in a portal, so workflows relating to different brands. So we we're now, we're now create a view to say, show me everything for brand A, and brand yep. B or maybe things that are more to do with administration workflows versus something that's customer-centered. Mm. So it is actually really interesting. So I encourage people to use it. And I think the better you get used to using views, the easier it is when you're trying to find stuff. So it's really easy for me to point people to, uh, oh, look at this view. You'll only see what you need to. And most people are going, oh, there's all of this stuff in there. What do I do? And they get confused. So this is a really neat way to filter things out, give people a clean view of what's going on inside workflows. It not matter across anything, to be honest, but especially workflows. All right, Craig, talk about the CMS Hub feature of the week. I really like this. We were, went live with a,
1: a site uh, last week and part of the go live is connecting the domain and then pointing the DNS to the HubSite portal. Now, previously, what we used to do is we kind of used to have the domain added into the portal ready. And then for the go live, we're just saying to whoever the tech person at the company is, oh, can you point your DNS to here, to HubSpot? You know, maybe it's away from WordPress as it was in this case. Anyway, we don't do that now. We build it all on the temporary domain. By the way, this is HubSpot CMS starter. CMS hub starter, right? So uh, no staging or anything like that. We've just built it on the temporary domain. We then. As the go live, we go to the tech person, we get them into HubSpot and we said, oh, add the domain. And as you add it, it'll say, oh, this is at GoDaddy. Do you want to just quickly go into GoDaddy, one click and we'll point the DNS for you? You're like, yeah. So we just guide them through that. It took, takes five minutes, pretty quick. DNS propagates. So then, and this is why it's in the feature of the week. So that's really nice. just Just seamless. But then right. HubSpot recognizes that you've now changed from the temporary HubSpot domain to your real domain. And it automatically updates everything, all the URLs on the pages, URLs in menus, CTAs, the form submit destinations, I think even list criteria and things like that, like it all just switched over. So none of that post go live where you've got to go back through and make sure that uh, links are updated. I mean, before they, they were definitely redirect, so it wasn't as though people getting 404s, but you go go through and clean up and stuff. No, HubSpot takes care of it. So we've actually got an example New site we built when uh, based on a design brand chemistry did beautiful rebrand for this uh, one of our clients and then we just uh, rebuilt their site all using HubSpot CMS starter and clean theme just a beautiful experience in I, that's I can't, right I, I was surprised at just how simple and easy it was with HubSpot CMS Hub.
0: So, listeners, it wasn't the clean theme light or starter. It was the full clean theme. Yeah, the full clean theme. That's one thing. The next thing I think I want to highlight to people, I think we discussed this on an earlier show, Craig. If you've got (laughs) hard-coded links, it's probably not going to change those, is it? Oh, no. If you've hard-coded a link like in JavaScript
1: or something like that, it's not going to know, And nor should it. I wouldn't want it going changing
0: code. That's right. This is everything that's using all of the HubSpot tools mm. that are available for linking. So if you use that, then the process is relatively seamless, and you'll understand mm. why when you go through it. <laughs> and the and the pain that you can avoid. So well worth doing it right the first time, and you'll get a great result. So well done, Craig. Yeah, and and
1: here's the best thing, Ian. I wasn't even involved, team at all. It just said, "Oh, we're going live tonight. Do you want to jump on the call or go live?" I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'd better be across that." You know, typical thinking. I'm needed. No team just took care of it. All went live. Beautiful.
0: All right, onto our HubSpot gotcha of the week, and this is list limits. Now we often talk about limits in uh, in HubSpot and the necessity for some of them, but tell me here, Craig, why have we got list limits like this?
1: So I don't understand this one. I think. Oh. Okay, first of all, I'll explain the problem. Then I'll have a little bit of a whinge about it uh, and set some context. So uh, HubSpot has limits on the number of lists you can have. So in Enterprise, I think you can have 2,000 lists, which might seem a lot, but we've got a client that's been hitting this list. And why uh, hitting this limit? Why? Because they create a lot of static lists based on imports. It's a long story. They've got uh, HubSpot, but they've got Salesforce For a whole bunch of reasons, they can't use the HubSpot connector because they've got custom objects and all this malarkey in Salesforce. So they do a lot of exports and they're importing kind of every day from Salesforce into HubSpot, right? It sounds crazy, I know. We've been trying to... Anyway, it is what it is. I'm not going to explain that. Anyway, they have static lists. Most of the contacts are already in HubSpot. So this is just a, a refresher each, you know, they're importing in. Now, those static lists is probably about... 1,500 or more of those lists, and okay, we can delete them over time. They keep hitting these limits, and so I'm just like, why? Now, hold that in one hand. On the other hand, you think, have you noticed that active lists are taking longer to update these days? Remember, they used to be almost instantaneous, a few seconds. Now, as lists, because they're so powerful, as we talked about earlier, and they're so good, they can cross-join, they can do all kinds of things. Sometimes they take a minute or two to update a list. Yes. And I'm totally fine with that. The processing power that's going on doing all that. Totally understand it. Yeah. Now, if you wanted to say, let's limit the number of active lists, I'd say, yeah, that's fair enough. Because that's chewing up resources. That's actually yeah. a significant load on the system. But when you include static lists that have no criteria, they're just simply, oh, here's some contact sample. Kind of like, really? That's yeah. hitting your limits? So what's the point of this? It's a bit of a gotcha and what we're doing now is kind of giving them ways to delete out old lists they didn't really want to but because they wanted that historical view of of imports and but we're we're just having to delete them all out um they charge i think it was something like 100 or 200 bucks for an extra 100 lists oh really Can you believe that ian yeah
0: i was looking now when you when you were mentioning that i went into the the legal side where he talks about technical limits and definitions. And so I'll tell you, so listeners, here's something to be aware of. And I'll start with starter. You've got 50 active lists and a thousand static lists for segmentation. In professional, you get 1200 active and 1200 static lists, and you can create random samples from any of these lists. And in enterprise, you get 2000 static and active. So 2000 and 2000, you can create random samples from any list.
1: No, I don't think it's 2,000 and 2,000.
0: Oh, no, that's what it says in the definition. It says to, up to 2,000 active lists and 2,000 static lists.
1: I think, okay, well, I can tell you they've, they hit the limit at 2,000 and that's a combination okay. of active and, so and static. so there you go. So, There's I don't a know about that not going quite right. Yeah, I think it's the total, which c- could be 2,000 active lists. Doesn't or make sense. 2,000 static lists.
0: It doesn't make sense because on start, it's 50 active lists and 1,000 static. Right. Yeah. That's what, because those are different numbers, that's what makes me think there's, it's mm. a, there are two because it says and, it doesn't say a total because it says up to 1,200 active and static. Oh, does that, mm. This is the definition, right? <laughs>
1: no, I can tell you does what say we've experienced. I can tell you exactly what we've experienced. We hit 2,000 across both. Yeah. Total lists across both and yeah, hit the limit.
0: Okay. Well, there we go. We need to ask the questions, hey? Oh, real. I'll I'll contact support and see if I can. Yeah. But it's good. It's interesting just to see some of these things. But yeah, listeners be aware. We have Craig on starter. We have hit list limits and often we Mm. end up creating um, like especially active lists on starter where there's only 50. We end up creating static lists sometimes or re deleting and reusing this. I am
1: totally fine with the limits yeah. on active lists actually. But it's yeah, a static I think that's list fine. that You're gets right. me. Yeah.
0: Computing power that's required behind it. Mm. But okay. On to our other stuff of the week, Craig. What other stuff have we got? I won't dwell on this. I'm writing on my
1: blog more. I'm trying to I'm trying to write more in so that yes. I learn how to write. And also that that old adage, I don't know what I think until I write it is a yeah. bit like that, so listeners are interested in any of that there's links in the show
0: notes so readers by all means read what craig has written you can respond i think there are comments on your blog so you can reply to him but what
1: is the ai prompt of the week craig oh this is beautiful again you should go to the zen Create blog and just see that they're churning out lots of images each week and this is a beautiful one of a Japanese village. Just shows you how good MidJourney is. And this is from, I think, a week or a month or two ago. So yes. it's not even recent, just beautiful. So yeah, we've got, by the way, we've got a whole guide on our Zen Create site on MidJourney prompts and inspiration. We update it every two weeks, free to download, no sign up required. There is a sign up if you want to get notified of updates, but yeah, just go and download it. It's, yeah, super handy.
0: All right. What's our thought of the week, Craig? Email tracking will soon be a thing of the past.
1: We've talked about this. Remember last year, Apple was rolling out private relay and then they were IP blocking and then yes. they were open rate blocking. So they're blocking the tracking pixels. So uh, most email vendors, including HubSpot, responded with kind of a calculation based on if it was opened in Apple, they were guesstimating and things like that. And services like Hay, hey.com yep. uh, you know, they've been blocking pixels for a while. However, now we're seeing it's not just the pixels, so the open rate and that, but they're blocking, they're stripping out parameters on the links. Because remember last year we were saying, look, we won't see open rates, but importantly we will still see if they click a link because that's more useful in some ways. Well, no, iOS 17 is going to be stripping parameters and also Proton, which I use for my personal email, uh, they in July rolled this out. They're just stripping out. Tracking parameters, so you will get that. Basically, all of that traffic will end up as um, direct in your analytics. So you won't know that came from email. It's kind of dark social all over again. It's almost dark email traffic. So just be aware of that. This this whole email tracking that we've enjoyed the golden period of tracking everyone and for the last couple of years, it's further reducing. And email, uh, I guess, insights are going to head towards zero. Now, marketers are always playing whack-a-mole with these kind of things, and they'll work out other ways, you know, use a coupon code or go to a very specific landing page, very specific. There'll be ways around it, but for most of the people that just continue sending out email marketing, yeah, the insights are going to be reducing.
0: I tell you what, this will kind of affect, you know, how we often talk about making it easy for the customer, and you click a CTA in an email and you can – because you know who they are you can you can create that list and say oh, okay Craig's going to attend my event he's clicked the yes i'm attending link when this disappears we're not going to know who clicked that link Craig and then going to make my life a lot harder <laughs> mm. this isn't the time for it but i think
1: there's a reasonable discussion to be had around the benefits of tracking versus the exactly. negatives and yeah. getting that balance is always hard i guess the pendulum's swinging way to the way to the left at the moment but yeah, it, it's going to be hard, I, you know. And and here is the other discussion. I I'm back on Instagram lately. Yes. And the ads that Instagram shows me are so good. Yeah. I just it's so good. I'm really enjoying it. And lots of things uh, I'm seeing ads for. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll look at that. That's great. It's actually useful content yes. for me compared yep. to say Twitter or where I used to be, where the ads were just garbage and yep. n- in no way reflected my interests. So I was like, wow, this is a terrible experience. And people object to that. They're like, oh, I don't want the, I don't want the platform knowing all about me because then they can target me with, with ads. I'm like, yeah, I really like it. So, it, there's both sides. I know some people hate it. I really like it. Um, do I really want Facebook knowing all my interests? Well, I can see both sides, yes and no. It, it's, just, it's not a simple conversation.
0: Yeah, correct. All right, what's our quote of the week, Craig? I see you found something exciting. Uh,
1: reviving the mediocrities meme. So, that famous philosopher, Mediocrities, the quote from him is eh, good enough. So, I mean, it's been going around for years, but uh, I like it how it
0: says, the philosopher inspiring 99% of the work done in corporate America. <laughs> yeah, that was just
1: somewhat on threads with that. Yeah, that's great.
0: Oh, dear. All right, training of the week. And this is Alex Homoze's lead course. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners have probably either seen in one of his videos or listened to him, listened to his podcast, but um, he had a massive book launch over the weekend, or might be two weekends by the time you guys are listening to this, for his new book, $100 Million Leads and his free course. And you know what? I've gone through some of the course, and I know you have too, Craig. And so it's well worth actually going through it as a refresher and look, having a different perspective on it. We'll put the links in the show notes to it. And um, we're waiting for the book, aren't we, Craig? Very much so. So it's good. So that's our training. And I think it's always good to go back and understand what is happening right now. Because I actually do like the way he teaches. He keeps, he's actually got experience. He's done stuff. He's not talking from theory, but practice. And that's what I love about it. Finally, if you haven't downloaded the HubShots framework, you'd need to. So this gets updated quite often. We use it across our business with all our clients all of our coaching clients use it very actively. Uh, we know listeners also do we get hear people write and say they've stuck it on the back wall they've printed it out they've shared it with the team so we encourage you to actually print it out. you can sign up if you want there is I think a direct link to it in the sh- in the show uh, to get the latest copy but otherwise if you sign up you will get we will email you when we update it and so you'll always have the latest version. So our whole goal is for everybody to benefit from having a path to using HubSpot. Finally, if you haven't already signed up to the show notes, you should. And if you haven't subscribed to, on the, to the YouTube channel, you should do that as well. So you get notified. If you do sign up, you can uh, the email will come from Craig and you can reply to him. If you want to connect with me, search up Ian Jacob on LinkedIn and connect with me and tell me you listen to the show. I love hearing. It actually makes our day, doesn't it, Craig? When we hear listeners that listen to the show connect with us. We love hearing your stories, guys. So keep it up. And until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.